Hey there, my name's Ben. I'm one of the leaders here at The Forge. We're in our final week of our vision series, Greater Than. We're so glad to have you back with us this week, and we really value this online community. In fact, it's probably one of the largest growing parts of our church. We value you, and we love you. Enjoy this week's talk. Welcome. It's so good uh, to see you. And again, welcome online too. Um, This Friday morning, um, I was able to uh, jump in my car and head to Ipswich, and I met up with uh, my friend Nathan Denniston. Uh, Many of you will know Nathan, some of you won't. Um, Nathan, two years ago, was an alcoholic whose life was in a real mess. Uh, He was invited by uh, Alan Salmon to go and do the Alpha course, and he is one of the most unlikely people that we've had uh, doing an Alpha course. He was petrified in those first few weeks of thinking, what on earth have I come to? Uh, But throughout that um, Alpha course, uh, he slowly discovered uh, a God that loved him, and uh, we were able to baptise him um, in December of uh, just over a year ago. And I remember um, meeting up with Nathan several times during that Alpha course, and he was, um, not only was his life in in quite a mess, but also he was quite lonely. And so I used to go and pick him up from work because he couldn't drive, and uh, we would go and uh, and spend time together. And I just remember, as those weeks started to go on, thinking, I don't know how I'm going to cope with this, because in a sense, the demand time-wise was going to be so great that either I was going to let him down, or... I I was going to drown just because of uh, the amount of time that was needed to go into Nathan. Uh, And he started coming along to church, and uh, I am so grateful to people like Janet Watson, who uh, befriended Nathan, and uh, she was uh, retired, and so she was able to meet with him after work. Uh, And slowly, more and more people started to get involved in Nathan's life. And uh, he went off to Teen Challenge last December, uh, which is uh, a Christian rehab place. And uh, basically, he's been able to uh, kick his uh, addiction. But during the time that he was away, 11 months he was away, uh, people would write to him, people would call him, people went up to visit him uh, during his time up near Nottingham. So going to see him on Friday was brilliant. Uh, because he says, Steve, I want you to see what I do. And so we started walking around. In fact, we were standing outside Iceland. Uh, It could have been any supermarket, obviously, but um, it was just Iceland there in Ipswich. Uh, And there was a homeless guy who was there, and so Nathan went straight up to him and started talking to him and offered to take him out for breakfast next week if he was going to be there at nine o'clock. And then we started um, uh, doing this walk, and we met um, a guy called Sammy. Um, Sammy, Nathan has got to know just over this last month or so, and he's been able to take him off the streets and get him into uh, the Salvation Army hostel. Uh, He's been able to get him along to church, and uh, he has now got him signed up uh, at Teen Challenge uh, next month that he'll be heading up in order to be able to beat his um, heroin and cocaine uh, addiction. It was quite remarkable. We then uh, met up with another guy called Daryl. And uh, Daryl has um, spent the last 26 years in prison. He's also come back to Ipswich. And uh, Nathan has met up with him, took him along to Alpha at Hope Church. And so now Daryl's become a Christian. And um, he's getting baptised next month, the day before Sammy goes off to Teen Challenge. 
And just talking with Nathan and starting to meet some of the people that he's encountered has been so incredibly exciting. He is involved in 13 people out on the streets at the moment. And what he's doing is linking them into churches. He's invited four to Alpha. Even his ex-partner is now starting to attend church too. And it is just quite dramatic what has happened over this last little while. Nathan asked if I would just read a letter out because the Forge, even though he lives in Ipswich and has now started starting to go to another church. Uh, He just wanted to say how grateful he was. So can I just read you the letter? He said this, I can't express how grateful me and the boys are for everything the forge has done for us. Of course, God always gets the glory, but it's God's children that really put the work in. I'm so sorry I haven't been around lately, but life has been so busy and God is allowing me to do some amazing things. But what I want to say is thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Special thanks to Miss Bolton. There we go. Janet Watson, Amy Van Holland, and Sarah Fenning, a.k.a. Nathan's Angels. He's actually written Angles, but I presume it's Angels. Anyway, (laughs) thank you to the guys uh, who had me at their house at the weekends, home with the kids. June Beals, you are a very wise lady, and I love you. Also, Will and Jenny, not sure if the kids preferred your house or your boat. Hmm, it was definitely your boat. Um, uh, Thank you to Jill Fenning. Even though she was going through her own troubles, she took the time to bring my children up to see me. A big thanks to Angela and Nigel, or Neville, uh, I think he's got down here. That's his nickname for you. Love you guys. Thanks to everybody who wrote to me and sent me those cards. It really helped me through the programme. A special thank you to Hazel Cameron and Monica Peterson, and I will treasure your letters forever. Thank you for all my prayer team. Thanks for praying for me, but also for my friends and family. There's not one person in the forge who hasn't played a part in my journey. Since I've been back, I've learned that it's not always about the guys who go out and serve. It's about those who quietly invest into the church. This brings me on to my last thank you. I want to say a special thank you to Justin and Nikki Smith, who are incredible people. And I know in Matthew 6, it says you should do stuff in secret, but I'm sure Jesus will let you have a bit of glory. (laughs) Me and the kids love you so, so much. And we are so thankful that you took us into your family and took care of us. I know I haven't been around much, but I'm always thinking and talking about you guys. And I can't wait to update you with all. Um, But yes, thank you, Forge, for giving me and my children a future. Be blessed, Nathan. Isn't that lovely? Thank you. And so, Justin and Nikki, he did want to give a present to say thank you. And knowing your love of um, tree surgery, uh, he has got you a battery-operated chainsaw here and also got some flowers uh, for you, Nikki, as well. So uh, if you're happy just to go and do that, thank you so much. Uh, That is great. I've told that story because um, Nathan knows the truth of today's theme, that we is greater than me. Just the list of names that he thanked demonstrates and illustrates that, that we is greater than me. He is working with people uh, out on the streets, but he's wanting to get them into churches. Why? Because we is greater than me. We are the last of our series of the Greater Than series, where we've looked at to contribute is greater than to consume. Courage is greater than comfort. 
And today, we is greater than me. Do you see what we can do? Working together, we can see lives changed by Jesus. We can all find our place in God's great adventure. Why? Well, it's because of who God is. Because God is a God of community, of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He has created us to be like him. In other words, to be in community with one another. In community to serve, in community to love, to forgive, to give, to um, encourage, to share the load. And I am so grateful for the support that so many of you have given to Nathan over the years. So in theory, I think nearly all of us would agree with that statement that we is greater than me. In practice, I'm not so sure that all of us feel quite the same way. In fact, we would probably prefer to say me is safer than we. Because you see, when it comes to we, we can be dangerous and scary. We involves other people. And other people, people can be hurtful, can let us down, can betray us, can reject us. And so because many of us, as we've gone through life, have experienced pain because of other people, what tends to happen is that me becomes greater than we. In other words, we protect me. We hide me. We hide behind our protective walls and we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to be open, to be known. To protect me because of being hurt in the past. We become independent. We become um, self-sufficient, self uh, uh, reliant, we become guarded. We understand that relationships are really important, of course they are, but we hold people at a distance. Because although we is greater than me, me is safer than we. And so therefore, we, we tend to be more guarded. Now, if that's you, if, just as I've been talking, if you recognise that in yourself, I, I want to... Uh, I want to let you know this, and I think this is such good news. Honestly, I believe that God understands that, and he knows that. He does. Of course he does. If you just look at the life of Jesus, Jesus knew what it was like to experience pain from others. In fact, John, one of Jesus' closest friends, when he was writing the account of Jesus' life, this is how he talked about Jesus. He said, so the word, that's another name for Jesus, became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And doesn't that sound lovely and cosy, this Jesus coming to be part of the community? But of course, if you read on from that, you discover that Jesus was rejected. He was betrayed. He was let down. He was deserted. And yet, quite incredibly, Jesus still chose we over me. And so even before he was betrayed by Judas, he washed Judas' feet and he shared a meal. That he called people to follow him. That he invested and empowered his followers. That he loved people. 
who didn't feel good enough or didn't feel accepted. Jesus lived out this we is greater than me lifestyle. And do you know what? 2,000 years on, his call for you and me is exactly the same today because we is greater than me. He still calls you and me to an adventure, an adventure to stand side by side with one another rather than as separate individuals. It's why Jesus said these words at one point when he was with some of his followers. He says, and I will build my church. And do you know what? He didn't build one building. And he didn't put on one service. What was he doing? He was pulling together a community. A community that together could change the world. So this community that Jesus calls us to this we, which is greater than me. It's a community where we can be loved, where we can be known, where we can find connection, where we can experience the truth and grace of who Jesus is. In community, we learn to love who and what Jesus loves. In community, we're able to serve as he showed us how to serve. And to recognise actually that life isn't all about me, that life is all about him, and we work that out together in community. And that's the power. That really is. That's the power and the beauty of community. And do you know what? To be able to achieve that takes such courage. A bit like we picked up on last week. Because the life of we being greater than me. There is huge reward, but there is also a great challenge. The challenge is this. It's to be able to move from places of selfishness to service, from self-protection to connection. And we need to be willing to help, but also to be helped. To help and to be helped. Do you know what? The first part is so much easier than the second part. You see, many of you will know the power, you'll know the joy of when you've been able to invest and help someone else, even if it's a cost to yourself because you've seen a change in someone's life. Many of you will serve the local community. You will serve within the life of the church. Someone like, where is Liz Leg? Where is Liz? Can't spot her. We're out there. Liz, who's just um, sitting at the back of the hall here, that every month she puts on a meal within the village of Mendelsham for um, elderly people who are single. She brings them together. She provides a meal for them. It, it's a key point of friendship for many people within the village in which she lives. I love that because Liz is helping others. What happens at the moment with our kids and our youth out in our various congregations is down to the fact that we is greater than me because we have a team of people who are serving both our kids and our young people at the moment and in working together. I am staggered by the commitment that so many of you play in making the forge who we are as a church. I mean, we've got Johnny Beals at the back there who's um, operating sound. He doesn't even come to this congregation. He goes to Thurston, but he was here kind of half seven this morning being able to get set up. So many people invest so much, and it is so good to help. And for all of you that do, I want to say thank you so much. 
But the community that God designed for you and me isn't just about us helping others. It's also about connection. It's about relationship. And it's about being helped. So it's not just about helping others. It's about us being helped. And do you know what? We need such courage to reach out and ask for help, to be honest and to be real with other people. Last week, I used a quote from a lady called Brené Brown, who's a, um, a researcher, and uh, she's done all kinds of research into courage and vulnerability, and she's written books. This is what she says, that in our culture, we associate vulnerability with emotions that we want to avoid, such as fear, shame, uncertainty. Yet we too often lose sight of the fact that vulnerability is also the birthplace of joy, belonging, creativity, authenticity, love, and connection. You see, the vulnerability that makes us hide to not let on that everything is, okay, that everything is not okay is actually the vulnerability that helps us to connect and helps us to go deep in friendships and provides us with that sense of belonging and connectedness. I have a friend called Chris Cobbold. Many of you will know Chris. He goes to the Thurston congregation now. And uh, uh, Chris and I, for about the last five, six years, have met fairly frequently um, at midweek during those times. And in those early years, we used to meet uh, for coffee. And uh, my role really was to be able to help Chris to find his gifts and to be able to serve God within the life of the church. And we would have long, long conversations about all kinds of stuff. But it was definitely the case that I was investing in him. And as time has gone on, and as he's grown, and as I've grown, our friendship is so much stronger now. But also, it's not the case that I meet up with him to help him now. Because now he invests into my life. And so I found myself sitting in Costa last Wednesday as I shared just some of the stuff that was going on in me uh, and, uh, and sharing my struggles. And it was just brilliant because he was able to ask questions and speak words of hope uh, into my life. And there was no judgment and neither was it just a listening exercise. Chris wasn't just listening and going, oh, poor you, Steve. Now, he told me some stuff as well. But I tell you, it is so important. But it requires for me to be able to reach out and to say, I need help. It's the beauty of community and connection because we is greater than me. I spoke at a church fairly recently where I shared three stories of people who have struggled and who continue to struggle in their lives. I'd ask their permission to start with. And afterwards, um, at the end of the service, I had a queue of people wanting to talk and to pray. And each time, someone connected with one of the stories of brokenness in one of those people's lives. Do you see? There is something so powerful in a community where we can be real and honest and vulnerable and find out that we're still loved in spite of those things. And that's why as a church, we, we have to build a greater and a stronger sense of community because it's out of that community that so much good can happen. It's why we believe this little catchphrase, which, which, um, which says that life is better connected. 
Even my friend John Land would agree to this. So when I came to the forge, it was really actually to provide a, a means to be a taxi for Ben, because he wanted to mingle with youth, find some friendships, and having lived in a Suffolk village myself and grown up absent of being able to spend time with other youth, so I fulfilled a service. The lovely Mrs Land was very keen for me to keep doing that. We left the church that we were in. I needed that opportunity to start somewhere new where in theory people didn't know me and that's an epic fail. It took me out of my comfort zone, but I think well, what God wanted to do really through the forge was just give me some baby steps back into a place where I could get some confidence. Mental health means that that's all ripped apart. I was not, and I'm still not, in a place where I feel very outgoing find that really, really hard. So to be part of a 10-month group where there was only about, I don't know, eight, 10 of us, that was, that was far more digestible for me. I felt very challenged uh, that it would be right for me and Kirsty to then offer to run a 10-month group of our own, which we did. I would say definitely join a 10-month group. There's a lot to gain. If it worked for me, I think it's got to work for most people. love seeing my friend there on screen, an incredibly gifted man, incredibly gifted man who suffered from um, mental health issues and to know and to see him when he's been broken, but to see how he's being restored. And so that now as part of a community, he's leading uh, a 10 month group. Just honestly, it fills my heart with joy. It really does, really does. That John has found connection. He's found a place to be, a place to be real. And he, in turn, wants to be part of providing that for other people too. Which is why here at The Forge, our circle environments of our 10-month groups, of our running mates and of our serving teams are just so vital because it's so important that we build this connection together. 10-month groups, groups of about 10 to 12 people who meet weekly or fortnightly to do life together and to uh, each group runs for about 10 months. The hint was in the title, just in case you weren't uh, aware. And then people have a chance to sign up again or to be part of another group to get to know others. But it is a chance where we can, we can build friendships, we can build connections, uh, and there can be a level of openness within those groups that you can't find here on a Sunday. We have something called Running Mates. Groups of three or four people, usually of the same gender, who meet together probably monthly, where there is a much higher accountability level to it. So Chris, who's part of my group, along with Dave Hanna and Adam Golding, um, they know me well. They hold me to account. They know where my weaknesses are because I've told them, and I know theirs. And if they tell you what mine is, I will tell you what theirs is. All right? Okay, just want to make that clear. All right. But it's life-giving for me, life-giving. And it's life-giving, I believe, for each one of us on our journey with God. It's a place to be incredibly vulnerable and accountable. We have serving teams, too, where people can serve together, but it's more than just that. It's Again, it's also about building friendships together. And if you're not part of a 10-month group, we've still got another whole term that you can be part of a group if you want to. 
running mates there for you to be able to, on the whole, find people that you connect with, where you can go deeper with. And serving, if you're not serving, then honestly, there are so many places for you to be able to get involved. In any of those, if you speak to Helen afterwards or go to Next Steps, people would love to um, direct you. All of these environments, God can use to grow a we, not me mentality. All three build community and provide places where we can help and be helped. And I love um, one of the things that um, Emily uh, often says is this. If it's come on to the next slide, if that's all right. It's all about showing up, being real, and joining in. There you go. Showing up, being real, and joining in. And honestly, we will foster such great relationships if that's the case. So as we step out of our comfort zones to connect, as John Land spoke about, to find community, as we build community, as we look to love one another, truly love each other, warts and all, as Jesus told us to, we will discover the power of we being greater than me. And do you know what? As we finish, and I'm going to invite the band to um, come back up to lead us um, in our final song. That's no more true than when it comes to what is today our gift day. Our gift day is um, an opportunity for us to, if we don't give within the life of the church, to start to maybe make, off, uh, make a, a one-off gift. If you give regularly, then it's looking to see how can we explore and help to encourage that more. It's just ways for us to be able to, as a community, come together to give into the life of the church, to enable us to be the church that I believe God has called us to. And if we practice the power of we being greater than me, if we all play our part in this, then do you know what? This, this year's target of 38,000 will be smashed. Honestly, it will be. And I get really nervous on Sundays like this because I think, oh, I wonder whether people will do. And Sarah and I have talked, and so we're playing um, our part within this. But what I have to hold on to is what we were singing earlier. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Do you know what? Every time we have um, uh, looked and asked and uh, prayed with regards to finances, God has always provided. So I hang on to that one with that little bit of worry still inside. But I would just ask that um, uh, we do. If you have come and you've come prepared, then great. The offering basket's going to be passed along the rows and you can do um, as I have done if you've got one of these forms and you can just put that into um, uh, the envelope. If you've chosen to do um, uh, your gift via direct um, banking, that kind of stuff, what we would really love to do, ask you to do is could you just email info at Forge Church to say um, uh, whether you have given or not because it will just help with the processing um, of that. But we is greater than me because we makes the difference of changed lives. Can I ask that we stand together, please? Father, thank you. You call us to a life of community. That you call us to each one of us play our part in the adventure that you have for us individually, but for us as a church. 
and for what you're doing in our villages, in our towns, in this county and further afield. So Lord, as we give now, we do so with grateful hearts because you have given so much to us. Everything we have is really on loan anyway. So Lord, we want to give generously. We want to give cheerfully because you are the giver of life. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening. If you're unable to physically attend one of the Forge locations on Sunday, please don't feel excluded. You can give online via the website forgechurch.com. We love having you with us on this podcast. We'll see you next week for a one-off talk before we launch our new series. I'll see you then.